Born and raised in a small town in Mansfield, Connecticut, Alexa Curtis knew she was different. At the age of 12 in 2011, she started a fashion blog, A Life in the Fashion Lane, and it became a platform for her to express her feelings around everything related to teens, body image, and mental health. In 2018, Alexa founded the Beer Fearless Summit, which is a pop-up summit that appeared at Drexel University on March 15, 2020. And then she also had an opportunity to do the summit at UC Berkeley, including sponsors such as Headspace, Shake Shack, and Morph. Alexa has spoken at numerous colleges, such as Northeastern, UConn, Eastern Connecticut, Rutgers, along with high schools, discussing how to be fearless and as well as mental health and social media. In 2018, she spoke alongside Amal Clooney and Serena Williams at Penn Woman in September 2018 and added a host to her arsenal as she launched her own radio show called Fearless Every Day with Alexa Curtis. When she's not at work, she meditates frequently and makes time for hobbies like cooking and exercising to keep herself grounded. Tap in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the final and last episode, number 363. After two years, the last episode of Campus Cuts, I'm your host, Tanaka Ishanasitaba, and today I got a special guest a superstar, an influencer, a motivator, a stylist, a founder, a Disney person, somebody, but so also somebody that's so authentic and rooted in sharing her authentic story, living a life unfiltered, and showing both the nuances and the realities of what it means to be a millennial, a Gen Zer, and being able to live their authentic truth and the whole genesis and epitome of what it is what this podcast is all about um i have the pleasure and the honor of hosting miss alexa curtis what let's pop it hi i'm obsessed with you that intro is just so dope thank you i mean it's true it's it's true i mean your video intro everything you say about me like anyone can say anything about me but i mean specifically how you edited your video intro i want your video editor and if it's you i would like you to come and work for me in the future uh no that's my that's that's i did the curation and the vibes but shout out to my um my boy who edited the video ezreal johannes i i just gotta before we start with the interview i just want to say thank you to everyone um, who has been a part of all the guests, all the people that I've, been, I've interviewed, my team, shout out to Manny for the graphics, shout out to Carlos to the music, shout out to Ezreal for the video editing, shout out to Jakara at the time, my ex, but like, you know, she was there helping with the vibes. Shout out to everybody in all the team who have helped bring this project to life. Um, I wouldn't be here without, uh, without everybody who has taken the chance of the time input in their insight so again it wasn't me alexa that was a whole effort by so many dope people who have given their time their energy their dedication and just um their love to this project so man we got to go out with a bang and i'm happy to have you to be the episode that is going to go out with a bang thank you i'm excited and i'm so proud of you and i'm honored to be your last episode as of for the time being yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, um, I gave my intros to you. Okay, first question is, who is Alexa 
where you're from, and I guess what you want all the basic stuff. Okay, we'll start with that. So I am, well, we've, we've our way into there. Um, yeah, so I uh, am originally from a super small town in Eastern Connecticut called Mansfield. Grew up with no money, no connections. And when I was seven, my father was wrongfully convicted and put in prison in Rhode Island. And the year that he got out, I started a fashion blog when I was 12. This term influencer, even entrepreneur was not really a thing back in 2000 and 11. And so over the past 10 years, I'm 24 now, I've built up this tiny fashion blog into my full-time career. And now I go across the country and on my social media and website talking about being fearless and unfiltered and through the website had a very successful podcast called This Is Life Unfiltered uh, that helped me secure a show on Radio Disney called Fearless Every Day with yours truly. And I signed with Disney for a year and was in LA and filming that show. And when I was at Disney, decided to leave Disney and start another company. And now recently, well, about 15 months ago, relocated to Austin and have built out this college summit program that's been scaling really fast. And through that launched a mentorship platform. And so I get to meet cool people like you every day and do what I love. That, that that's beautiful that is so beautiful you've done a lot and that's cool and I mean like my conversation right campus cuts is it's not about what you do I don't care I could care less about what you do it's about who you are who's your being you know what I'm saying so besides you've done all the cool stuff but I want you to take it all the way back like who is Alexa who are you let's start okay I'm gonna start from I feel like whenever someone asks me this I think I always like to phase it because people look at this journey and kind of where I am now. And I don't really look at myself as like, oh, I've done anything, which is probably terrible. I should give myself a little bit more credit. I just like don't. Uh, but anywho, I would be lying if I said I did. So that's fine. I have been doing this for 10 years, right? So like I started this, I had no idea who I was. I had very little friends, did so badly in school. And writing for me was very therapeutic. And especially when my dad was in prison and I didn't really have any strong core family behind me. So between 12 and 14, I really used the website as just a means to get through everything that I was dealing with. And then I move out at, um, right before I turned 17 and went to New York and did the whole starving artist thing there and went absolutely like crazy. I had not only never lived alone, but I was so broke and uh, I was just thrown in. I had gotten myself basically thrown into this world of like, celebrities and fashion week and all this money and everyone was so much older than me and people were doing things that were not appropriate for someone my age to see and so then between 16 and 18 is when I really feel like I started to realize that I really enjoyed almost being authentic like I was someone who would love to sit at a table and I wanted to talk about something I had seen I wanted to talk about body image I wanted to talk about sex like I didn't want to hide that stuff and so I decided then when I was 18 to stop talking about fashion and I was like sorry if I don't know if I can swear but I'm gonna swear I was just kind of like yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. like I'm gonna go for this and see if I can you know talk authentically and be myself because fashion at that point was no longer serving me but I still yes. kept the blog up and then uh, moved from New York to Boston and ended up 
pitching the Disney show and then really was very like exceptionally lost between 20 and 22. Um, I was living in LA. Like I had a initially a very like wrong friends around me, a lot of the wrong people. And I really learned that the hard way. And I was also always very anti moving to LA. And so once I kind of took a step back and was like, Oh my gosh, like this is why I always said I would never move to LA. Uh, that really threw me into this new territory of where I feel like I am now of like, okay, uh, all of this is just noise, right? Um, yeah. Like what actually really makes you happy? Yeah. And so it's so crazy how you were able to be able to find that so early because most of the yeah. time, you know, when people like, I mean, if we look at your resume, it's impressive. Like, it's like you have lived out the, the many multiple dreams. Like, I mean, of course, you know, you wouldn't even imagine your life, right? You go the way that it can happen. But for so many people, you have been the show. You've been on magazines. You've been on the news. You've influenced and inspired so many people. You're verified on Instagram. You're, you've got a book. You know, you're doing some cool shit. You're doing, like, you're talking to all these people and all these blogs. Like, it's like, you're the it girl. But, like, we go real sad. But you didn't feel like the it girl. No. Like, you know, it was like, it's like... Mm-hmm. I love when I met you because I feel like you really already like almost you are who I wished I had been and had that confidence. And I was able to portray it to people for so long. But I think a lot of me being able to be so confident was almost this cover of like me trying to get through that I was still struggling with a lot of these insecurities and whatnot, especially being at Disney. So I just really enjoyed meeting you in particular uh, because I felt like you were authentically yourself, you weren't really hiding anything. And I wouldn't say I was ever really hiding anything, but I certainly struggled for a really long time, but was able to cover it up with being this confident person who could talk in front of thousands of people when it was still very difficult for me behind the scenes. But that's just time and just comes down to time and experiences. Right, right. I mean, but honestly, like, I come from the same boat. I saw I was painfully insecure. Like, the the one thing that, the thing, and I I resonated, and again, of course, with any, like I've listened to a lot of podcasts as well. And most of like, the, if you understand the psychology of most successful mm-hmm. people, it's first, it's like, it's been rooted in insecurity because they're like, there's something that happened to them. And they said, no, they wanted it again. For me personally, yeah. and I've been very vocal about it. It's like, man, the reason why I'm quote unquote successful was I was trying to get a girlfriend. <laughs> I was like working hard to get a girlfriend. I was working hard to, um, but really going down deep rooted was to feel loved and accepted. Yeah. And obviously, for you know, for me, it's just like, okay, hey, you know, you work so hard for the affirmation and and, and acceptance of like, the outside world, but then again, you know, it's the crazy realization when it's just noise. When sure. all of this noise, and all obviously, if you are your your dependence of your self esteem is given to the world, um, if if anything was negatively said about you, it would crush. Oh, it would, it would, it would crush me, right? But but because I didn't know thyself, but it. I'm very grateful that, um, that you felt that way. And of course I had to go through a huge, and I'm really big on everybody going through a huge healing process and you know, going to therapy and going to do things and going to workshops and actually having an intimate relationship with the self because I feel like with so much going on in the world, people often don't know who they are or who they want to be. They have this vision of thinking who they want to be because again, it's just like, oh, if I'm able to do this, I'll be able to get love and acceptance for this. And from there, I'll be able to get praised or something like that. When as corny as it sounds, it's like, nah, man, the real answer to a lot of our problems is love, like love being seen, heard, and and known for who we authentically are. It's so corny, bro, but it's like, it's true. 
It's true. It's there's no other way to portray it by saying all of that. That's just the only way. It's true. And I mean, I always use that term. It's all really outside noise. And I think until you get to a point, though, where you really are able to take a step back, and that's what I've realized is like those successes, they still come at a cost, right? Like I'm still sitting here being like, you say this and it, it still goes in one ear and out the other. And that's something that I personally want to work on. But that's why I really become so grounded and realizing that even magazines, TV, whatever, it's not going to give you the same fulfillment that those one-on-one -on -one relationships and confidence and true happiness without a camera in front of you will. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, ooh, absolutely. Oh, man, I'm so happy about this today. This is such a good episode already. Like, I, I, oh, man. And so now what I want to dive deeper into, and it's particularly in your stories, move away from, okay, yeah, your highlight, whatever all that stuff is, but um, I want you to talk about what it is navigating these spaces uh, as a woman, right? How is it navigating such of these spaces of where you've been in your career as a woman who's preaching about female empowerment? Like, what, like, why did you decide to go specifically that way? What about it? And, um, and just your experience and like some of the pushback and barriers and challenges that you faced while. Oh, yeah. That's a great question. And there's so many answers to that. But I guess I would almost break that up into two. So for me, because of my background and where I came from, and just the experience I had as a kid, and almost in a way kind of going through the system, I was able to have this really odd realization at a very young age when I realized like I always knew I was very different. But I never really was able to put together why is it that this happened to me like I grew up going to a maximum security jail, right? Like I grew up with just a lot of trauma and no one ever really helping me. Uh, I never, I mean, I love my parents, but they were not someone who would sit down and be like, honey, let's talk about your feelings. Honey, let's talk about your body. Like I did a podcast episode the other day. I learned about birth control and keeping up with the Kardashians. Like I never had that support system behind me in the way that I think a lot of other young kids do with just very heavily involved parents. And so I had this realization, I want to say maybe when I was like 16 or 17, almost like, I'm looking at people and I'm able to look at them and uh, analyze, you know, there's a lot of stupid, terrible stuff that happens to people. And some people will choose one direction and some people will choose another. Why is it that I chose this direction? Like, why was I able to reinvent myself and not be defined by my traumatic childhood by channeling all of that pain into something that helps other people, whereas someone else perhaps will start using substances or um, get into some really bad stuff. And so I would say that realization to me made me realize that as a business owner and just as someone like myself, like I was on to something business-wise and that's why I really got out of the fashion industry. Uh, so I'm really fortunate to have had that realization. And then aside from that, I mean, there's been so many barriers. I mean, the rejection, uh, being someone who's from a super small town and didn't come from connections and money, that's a huge, that's a huge barrier. I mean, you're up against, especially nowadays, I look back and I'm really glad that I started when I did. I don't know I would make it now, right? Like you're up against kids of celebrities and kids who have so much money and now know how they can utilize it. Whereas when I was starting, there was like kids of celebrities and there was kids with a lot of money that I just didn't have. And the internet wasn't what it is now. Um, so right. I would say that barrier. Um, and I think uh, as well, there is, uh, I don't get too much negative feedback ever, but certainly like the more you kind of Put yourself out there and are so authentic i would say if anything it can be really intimidating to some people and i think that can turn around and make someone say something or write a message that perhaps is not an ideal message to for someone like me to receive 
Um, and yeah, I mean, the rejection is, is terrible. It's awful. It never gets better. You just get stronger. Yeah. I keep going. It's, it's all hard, but that's, that's kind of the fun of business in this game is that, uh, the sky is, is your limit. Like you'll never reach a ceiling when you do anything for yourself. Mm, mm. And why is that? Like what, like, or what, what makes you, why do you say that? You know, the sky is the limit if it's like, you know, if you don't put a level, what, 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 what type of evidence did you feel like you've seen in through your life that gives you that, like, that makes you keep on going? Like, I believe that. There's a few different reasons. I mean, even yesterday in the smallest scheme of things, I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and, and I, I, she said something like, uh, uh, she works in consulting and she was like, you know, you hit a seal. I don't know what we were talking about. And I was like, how much money do you make or something? And she was like, yeah, you know, but you hit a ceiling and then I'm not going to know what to do in a few years. And the first thing that goes to my mind is like, oh my, like I never have a ceiling. There is no $1 million, $10 million, $50 million. I mean, there is a, the, the sky is the limit as, as an entrepreneur. Um, and then uh, aside from that, I would say that naturally, whenever you work for yourself, there is just this obsession with seeing the success and being able to really kind of relish in it. And so I think that that's what's really cool about entrepreneurship is not only do you have the opportunity to make your life anything that you want, you see success perhaps in a different way than if someone was working for someone else and got a job promotion. I'll never experience that. I'll be able to give someone a promotion, but I won't have those same kind of feelings. So I take validation in different ways than someone who works for someone else would. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I, I love that. And, but, you know, um, there's, I remember back on social media when I was like really, really active. And of course, you know, seeing videos and most mm -hmm. people are always talking about like, you know, drowning the nine to five. And like, there's like, there's two different caps, of course, with the hyperization, hyperpolarization of social media, nine to five or being an entrepreneur. Like, I want to get your take. Cause like, do, like, do you hate on anybody? <laughs> that? Um, if anything, I'm actually quite jealous sometimes. I really? Think, yeah, I think entrepreneurship is so glamorized and, and it really sickens me, to be honest, because, and I don't know, I mean, I would attribute most of it to social media, but you're only seeing the successes that people have and you don't see the pain behind the scenes. And I cannot preach enough. It is incredibly lonely. Like it is a very mm. lonely thing to do this. Um, there are days where I feel like I don't, and I'm I'm single, like I'm not in a relationship who the fuck do I call when like, this is all so bad. Um, and yes. I mean, so bad and, and not the way of so bad. Obviously I live in America and I work for myself and like, I'm very fortunate in that way, but the pressure you put on yourself as an entrepreneur, the pain when things don't work out, the pain when someone, it hits you in a different way. The rejection is completely about you. It is never necessarily always about your idea. Like this, this company is my idea. It is me. Like it is my child. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it hits a different way. So it's very lonely. But uh, I think the fact that it's so easy to get so much money and get so famous so fast makes it look so fun. When in reality, there are two different types of CEOs and entrepreneurs. There are the people that have that kind of viral fame. And that doesn't mean that they're running a company. That means that there was just luck in the general scheme of things. And then there are the people who really are building something and in it for the long run, you know, someone like a Sarah Blakely or even an Oprah or an Ellen and whatnot. And those are the people that I happen to look up to, but it just depends. Yeah, like, what you want out of mm -hmm. So many, yeah. so many. Yeah. And then that, that's, yeah, that's going yeah, I, I love that point. And obviously would you consider yourself lucky? 
Um, oh gosh, I've actually never been asked that question before, but I frequently think about luck. Um, I'm lucky that my life is like, I, I had a very traumatic childhood, but I'm lucky that, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in poverty. I didn't grow up in a third world country. So I'm incredibly lucky for that. But would I say that my success has to do with luck? Absolutely not. Mm. I think I am quite honestly unlucky <laughs> a lot of the time. I think of luck as winning the lottery or going viral. I don't know how else yes. to think about luck. Mm. Mm. Going viral. Obviously, you have somebody that has a huge platform now. You have like a, an audience online, right? You know, most people would consider that lucky. But, you know, you know it's so funny because I, I was talking to my auntie the other day, uh, my tete, I call her. Um, mm -hmm. and you know, we just talk about, you know, when we see other people, right. Uh, other people, some people would be so jealous of somebody's quote unquote success, sure. but it's just like, yo, bro, like I said, I said, Hey, we don't have to really, you know, be mindful or hurt because I remember I used to be jealous. I'm like, Oh man, I wish I was that person. Oh man, look at that. But then as you get older, you get wiser when risers like are you willing to go through everything that they've had to go through in order for them to get just a little moment ice the tip of the iceberg of what you see like you know and honestly i'm a believer right i believe god but i i think when you say when when somebody is jealous of another person i feel like it's also kind of like a slap to god's face it's just like you're saying you're saying you're not thankful for like everything that you've gone through because like i say like this my homeboy and i was like bro i would not want to carry your bag of shit and i wouldn't want you to carry my bag of shit mm -hmm. i don't know what are your thoughts no i i agree and i think it's interesting to use the words and i wish people honestly spoke more about it but jealousy intimidation if someone feels jealous or intimidated by someone else that doesn't mean that they are jealous or intimidated because they think they got lucky. I think that means that they're jealous or intimidated because they are feeling insecure with themselves because they're unable to either start on something and they're procrastinating and therefore they are like, this person got it and I was deserving about it, but you were never really willing to take that first step. Mm -hmm. um, or you're really not seeing the full picture of someone. So I, I think luck is is really how you want to look at it uh but i really only can attribute luck to to that viralness and that's something i certainly have struggled with is feeling at times very jealous deeply threatened in a sense by people who have gotten that in such small amounts of time when there's moments when i i can tell you and especially in the past six months there has been a multitude of moments where i have just sat down and been like i can i can't do this exact thing for the rest of my life and when I say this exact thing, I mean, I cannot work this many hours for the amount of money that I'm currently making, which is I'm not a multimillionaire yet. Uh, I, I want to like be at that next level. And so that's how you stay inspired and excited. But certainly like I but I'm not sharing that on the Internet, but I have had those moments and that has made me even more strategic now, whereas for I think 10, maybe the 10 years before this and I started it when I was so young, I didn't really know too much. Right. It was just, I'm going to try everything and I'm going to say yes to everything and even whatever. I'm just going to say yes. Uh, and now I'm like, okay, I, I really don't want to be at this one spot at 30. So now every single moment means so much more to me than it did four years ago. Mm. 
Mm. And then, so what got you, what made you have that shift in that mindset, especially like in that, in terms of the intentionality of you trying to make sure like, yo, like, cause again, like it's so easy for people to coast. It's very easy. But then again, like you're just your mindset in this, whatever, what, what event helped you get to that point where it's just like that clicked? If there, if there mm, wasn't. Yeah, that's, that's, you have like the best questions ever. That's why I was actually really excited for this um, podcast too. I don't know if there was one particular moment. I would say that for me to like have, to be at a point now, I mean, I'm 24, I'm turning 25 in October. That's really scary. And I have a lot of friends. Most of my friend group is older than me and all of them are, you know, 30, 32. And I think in a sense, I think a lot of people have that identity crisis of like, I'm not married yet. Am I going to meet this person? And for me, I ignore all of that. And I just think of like, I would like to have built and sold a company by that time. I am not interested in being married or having kids by that time. And therefore that amount of time, I think that people spend between 25 to 30, really thinking about settling down. I am so focused on like, in the same way that they're focused on that, I'm focused on business. And again, you know, otherwise, like you said, you just coast and I've never been someone who coasted, but I've always been someone who has said yes and gone for things and whatnot. And, um, I wouldn't say I've wasted time, but now I just, I can't, I can't do it. You only have a certain amount of time in the day and you only have, you want to see your friends and you want to be able to do everything you want to do. And uh, so because of that, the more specific you can be with everything you want to do intentionally, then you'll just set yourself up for success in a super short amount of time. Mm -hmm. That intention. Yeah. That, That intention and attention and that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. That's the, the for that honestly. That's like I feel like that's the formula for whatever success that what somebody wants out of life. Because yeah. I feel in my own stuff, I felt like um, when I was broke, bro. I was broke two years ago, and I was like maxing out my credit cards. You know, spending on some trips, living beyond my means. I was in college, and I was like, I was like, I was broke, and I didn't like being broke <laughs> because again, no, no I honestly didn't like it. No, I, I didn't like it because um, it was just one. One was really attributed to the like, to feeling of shame and guilt and yeah. uh, not feeling good enough because no one likes to be broke. But but also it's just like because there's a certain level of psychological needs that wanted to be at. But of course, you know, it really again, why was why was I so discontent with being broke? Oh, because I saw a life that was out there that was portrayed out there. Of what it means to be successful as a man, right? Gotta get the car, gotta get the clothes, yeah. gotta get the girl. Yeah. You're a success. But I got the car, I got the clothes. I don't got the girl. But, uh, uh, but, <laughs> but I mean, but again, it's just like, hey, that is not success. And so for me, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you feel like? What is, what does success mean to you? What's your definition of success? I don't think I've reached success yet. So I don't know I can give you a proper definition of it besides the one probably that you're you're you were thinking. Um, but I would say at this point, success now on a superficial level would mean me being able to go to dinner and like buy all my friends dinner. Yeah. Um or buy my parents a house. And then on a less materialistic level, I think it would just be able to be able to breathe. Um, I think being able to breathe, like being able to come home and not feel like, oh my gosh, I have to get up tomorrow and I have this, this and this to do. 
but I have to right now because I'm still, I'm not at that point yet. So like every single minute, like I said, matters. But I think once you hit that level of success and I've got this theory that you'll know when you hit it, because you'll have that thing of like, I can, I can cancel this meeting. Like I don't need to be on this phone call. Someone else can be on this call for me. Um, and I think that is what I would look as the less materialistic version of success. Um, because that just to me is, is flexibility. And I think what entrepreneurship does that other nine to fives don't do is they give you flexibility to do absolutely anything at any time of the day. Um, and that's a really unique thing. And when you hit that peak of success, you'll truly be able to like, right now I could go be like, yo, we're going on a jet. Like I just finished this podcast with you. I just called someone like, let's just go. You can't do that if you work a nine to five. <laughs> That doesn't mean be an entrepreneur, right. but it also means like that is a different form of success. Right. Yeah, it is a different form of success. Oof. Oof. That flexibility. And, 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 and also, but I really like the fact that how you said it, though, because like how you, how you were even honest about it, saying that you feel like you haven't reached it. But then how do you make sure that you don't get yourself crazy? Or what are you doing right now currently to make sure that you at least don't go too crazy? Or you drive yourself too nuts. <laughs> yeah. I've struggled with burnout a lot in the past. And, and because I've had so many moments where I have ha hit serious and I struggle with anxiety and depression anyway, a lot behind the scenes, because I've had those moments where I've hit that so hard. I'm now able to really kind of counteract it with knowing when to take time off or take a break. Uh, but I'm at a really unique time in my career because I feel incredibly clear on everything that I'm doing. Whereas before there was so many moving parts. And so now I don't have moments necessarily where I feel crazy, but I have moments where I'm just like, there is just a lot to do, a lot to do. And that can be really overwhelming. But yes. also in the same sense, I've never been so chill. And I think I really attribute that to me leaving LA to where like, if I just didn't want to do anything for two hours or four hours or a whole day, I always think, will I remember this in five days, five hours, five years, 15 years? No. There is a very limited amount of things you're going to remember in a week from now or even five hours from now. So the moment you start feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. or like, oh my gosh, I'm not where I want to be. Are you really going to be thinking about that by the time you're there in five days or five years or five hours? No. So just like chill out. Like really, again, all of this is noise. Like these conversations are not noise. These are very valuable. When I'm with my friends, that's when I really feel at home and whatnot. The rest of it's just a job. You got to be work and that's it. That's not like, <laughs> I was having a meeting, a strategy session. Um, I was having a strategy session this week and um, with somebody and I'll ask them, what is your pit? What is your big picture? What is it? Do you want to do it? Do you want to build it? A million dollar company, billion dollar company, like, or most million dollar, what, what is it do they want? They're kind of unsure. I'm like, oh, school is cool. But I said, at the end of the day, no matter what you try to build, how you say it, everything's just noise. I say at the end of the day, it's like, everything's just made up. Yeah. Because everything really is just made up. Because <laughs> somebody yeah. literally made up. And it's, it's also really scary. And I've been having, and I know you work in VC and you're like really right in the heart of it. I've never been in such a, a tech heavy spot where I am right now, where those conversations and I'm constantly being asked, like, what would your goal to sell at? What would your goal... I never thought of that stuff. And so there's a huge intimidation behind that because I can guarantee you, and I have to work on this on myself, like I'm going to hit that multi 
million dollar goal. And I'm going to be the person that's like having an anxiety attack because I'm going to feel lost. And so you, I am someone who will like really has to actively work on that because like I said, right now, even when I think of success or the things, I'm just not someone who's able to look at it as like why you've done so much. I I just don't. And I don't know if that's what keeps me going. Um, There's a negative side to that, but it's just an honest side. Like it's a reality for me. But uh, it's certainly something I would think to think about is even if you do work for someone else, like what is what is your goal? When will you feel like you are good enough to just be like, I don't want to work today. Like I want to go and spend time with my friends or I want to go and read a book. I don't want to answer to anyone. At what point will you feel and realize that at the end of the day, you only have X amount of years on this planet. And if you waste them head down, really unhappy, trying to make money, but then not knowing what to do with the money, you've just wasted your whole life. That's not the point of this life. What do you feel like the point? What do you feel like is the point of life or like in your eyes? I think the point of life is to leave this world just a little bit better is to help people with your experiences. And I get frustrated that people are not able to have such deep, genuine conversations because that is really how I find people give back and are able to help someone through something that they're going through without even necessarily setting it up in a conversation. Like I'm going to help you. You're just able to, actively talk about something you went through positive or negative and someone will hear that. So I'd certainly say, I think that is the point of it. I don't really, I'm not super spiritual. So I don't really understand it sometimes. Like sometimes I do have these moments where I'm like, I'm really, this doesn't really make sense that, and like, how is it that people can have such nice houses and people have such small houses? What, who created that mechanism of this world? I don't know, but we're going to die. So maybe we'll all find out together and then the next generation will find out together too. So yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's really, but it's really quite fascinating. And I would hope that everyone, the older that they get, like I have, it makes it even more clear of like, what is the point of all of this? Yeah. Because you, the older you get, the more experiences you have, and then you're like on to the next. Whereas when you're younger, you're so stuck in the rejection or when something bad happens. And then when you get older, I mean, now things go wrong. And I'm like, I've had this before. Snack time. Yes. Next one. Yeah. Thank you, next. Thank you, next. Yeah. I, um, I love that perspective of Gan. Like, you know, um, there's this quote that says, Kisera Sera is like, it is what it, well, it is what it is, but what is shall be or something like that. And, yeah. Um, and on, but one, I just want to commend you on your growth, that your personal growth, that you felt like you went at one point of time where you felt like you had the need to control everything. And of course, you know, we all battle. Our higher yeah. self and our lower self battles that. But now it just seems like with your evolution of who you are, you've started to let go of that each and every day, yeah. each and every moment. And it's been yeah. very, um, sounds very liberating. So it's a liberating experience for you. Yeah. It's confidence, but you can only become, I find myself to be very confident for my age, but I've only had that because I have had years of being so insecure. And through those, I've been able to speak up a little bit more every time. And after the five, you know, five years of speaking up a little bit more and a little bit more, then you get to a point where you're like, I literally don't care whether you like me or you hate me, but I'm really glad for the people who like me. And I love them and hang out with them and talk to them. And hopefully people who follow me do too. And if you don't, then like, okay, you'll find someone else to follow. It's yeah. You know, unless uh, you're talking to me in person and you have 20 reasons why you don't like me, which I would probably think a lot of people would not be able to come up with that many reasons. Uh, what, like, oh, I, I'm good on my own. It's okay. Yeah, uh, that, that's really good. And so now you transitioning out of the, the Hollywood capital, and the, you know, being in that environment where there is happens to be a lot of, you know, portrayal and a lot yeah. of 
you know, it's a lot of business and, you know, it, it is people business and navigating different emotions and egos and all that stuff. Um, what were some of your takeaways from the past year that you did out in Disney and out in LA before you moved out to Austin? I'm so glad you brought that up. So I was in LA for about like three and a half years and the show filmed for a year. So I was there for a solid amount of time before I even landed that show. And oh my gosh, uh, I, I think I really learned the value of those deep connections and those meaningful relationships. I certainly learned the value of saying no. And I was someone, especially in LA, I was like the FOMO for me was always a thing. But then I would go and I would be like, I hate this. But like, I'm going to stay here because I said I would go. So now I just, I don't even, I say no to everything I want to say no to. And I, I don't struggle with feeling that way, mm. uh, feeling bad about it all at all. Because I remember in those moments that for the most part, anything that ever happened like that, uh, I, I always regretted going. And so I learned that. Uh, I learned, you know, really don't be jealous of people. Look, I interviewed people high and low, millionaires, billionaires, um, people who came from so much and people who came from so little. And the common theme was certainly the people who came from closer to where I came from had a different idea of what happiness was than someone who had that viral fame or success uh, and really, I think, was still chasing something. And that's not everyone, but I interviewed hundreds of guests on a variety of different shows that have done amazing things with their lives, and many of them were not happy. And so when it came for me to realize, like, I knew I was missing something in LA and I wanted to see if I could find it somewhere else, really what I was missing was that ability to feel confident on my own. And it's a very hard place there to feel that way because everyone's there to chase something. No one, unless you're born and raised in LA is in LA because they like the fucking sunshine. <laughs> like yeah. really no one likes the goddamn sunshine. Like the sunshine becomes so much sun. No, I mean, I have friends who do like the sun and they like the beach and they surf and whatnot. But the majority of the 90% of people I knew in LA were chasing something. Mm. And mm. that's, that gets so, that gets so pathetic after a while. So pathetic chasing something i mean it's so crazy we all chase something like, we, and we all we all fall victim to chasing something yeah. so what were you chasing before um what what do you what do you feel like for the past you know before you, you started to evolve or what were you chasing man i oh, the spot was good yeah uh what was i chasing i was chasing probably feeling like i would be able to make it on my own and prove that to my sister and my parents because uh, none of them really have followed this kind of career path and have perhaps struggled in like different ways. Um, I don't know that I proved it at any way because I don't think they really cared. They were just proud that I had gotten that Disney show. So that kind of sucks. That's another like, oh my God, like really? I thought this would make me feel better. No, uh, I was chasing that lifestyle. I was chasing the fact that I knew that people who I had gone to high school with and middle school with knew my name. I was obsessed with the idea of acknowledgement for those wins when I was unable to give it to myself. And that's something that I realized there. And that is such a hard, I mean, I was in rooms with so many people and they're just, it was hard. And I wasn't an actress. Like I always, it was always on my own, you know, the entrepreneurship, podcasting, whatever, even the Disney show, I was doing it. But I was, I was told so many times in a year and even having that show that I was not good enough, that I didn't have enough followers. Um, there was many experiences for me while I had that show where I had to become comfortable with myself because I wasn't getting what I wanted. I wanted people to validate me. It just started the process over again in a sense. And so that's the thing about success is like, if you have expectations about it, 
it's going to go really poorly because you're still going to be disappointed unless you really are obsessed with who you are. And I think mm. really when I left LA is kind of when I felt that obsession now with who I am. But um, yeah, I mean, I was chasing probably, probably all of that. And then I got a lot of it and I just still wasn't at, nearly as happy as I am now. Mm. Yeah. This I just, I just got to let that sit, man, right now. Wow. Thank you. This That's is like so... the most real conversation, especially about LA, that I think I've ever had in public. So yeah. I like this. Oh, well, well th thank you for your vulnerability and for you sharing this and, and being yeah. so. And thank you for allowing me to create the space for you to share this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because again, that would be so easy. Like, um, but wow. That, that's real. And I, and I really hope that this message is able to resonate somebody is able to resonate and whatever and so um as i transition towards the, the next segment of the show which is kind of more asking you like these bigger questions right um you did talk about a lot about that and so one one of the social topics that i've been really myself been unlearning and studying is one's man's relationship with a woman and especially in our society right and so obviously you're somebody who um you do have a lot of audience of a lot of women or whatever but i think what i wanted to ask is from your perspective what are some practical ways that myself as a man and men can be able to effectively show up and support women um in the country and women creators and women today Amazing question. Uh, I think by, I'm, I would say that like the first step, I think, and especially just in general in relationships, dating, whatever it is, being able to show up somewhere and take out all of that noise. And to me, that noise is like the cell phone or talking to someone about social media. Like really the questions that you're asking me on this podcast, people are probably not comfortable asking on a first date. But I think there's ways to tailor some of these questions so that you really are able to understand someone in a shorter amount of time and really figure out someone's strengths and weaknesses. And then I think you can really play into that quite well. And being able to understand people is a trait that a lot of people don't have. But I think it's something that people can certainly work on. And aside from that, uh, I so I would say start with that. And I think just as men, and are you talking about more in like relationships, dating? Are you talking more about in business? Yeah, and well, yeah, well, that was a relationship. Also, I would love to know in business too, yeah. like especially yeah. in business, how can men and in all business and entrepreneurship and whatever, how can men be effectively show up? Yeah, uh, I would love to see, and in dating, I, I think too, I would love to see men being able to be a little bit more comfortable being more emotional. I know that's just genetically something that men struggle with a lot more, and I find a lot of my girlfriends there's this common theme of like someone can't get deep. They can't get deep. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder how much of that comes into how much work should someone predominantly a man be doing uh, outside of hanging out with friends or going to a bar on themselves? Like, are there certain exercises? And I don't know the answer hundred percent. Perhaps that's something that would have to be looked up online. Cause I'm not a guy that you can do to get yourself to that point. And I find for me, that's something I really take into account when I'm dating or when I'm going out with someone It's like, I don't want a super deep, I'm like very like three dates and then we can get like deep, but I want to know those questions immediately. Like, actually I was out with a group of friends the other 
day and there was a guy and he said something to me and he was really cute. It was one of my good friend's friends. And he said, um, like, have you ever been in love before? And I, but he said it to me just so like, we were like having martinis and everyone's talking and he just looked me dead in the eye. And I was like, uh, yeah. And he was like, how was that? And I was like, fucking hard. It's really hard to fall in love and get your heart broken, but it happens. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just thought that was like a cool question to ask because all, all of a sudden now I know that he's been in love. Right. Yeah. And I know that he is able to emotionally get to that place. And that's just really cool. And that's something that I would look for with someone I was going to be with. So how many yeah, exercises and whatnot can you do? How many people are listening to this who are guys who can tailor some of the questions you've asked me and make them a little bit more superficial, but also deep enough to where you can understand someone uh, very soon on a first or second date? And then, you know, like business wise, I mean, I don't, I don't know how often people get super deep in business with that, but um, I don't know, kind be like nice via email. <laughs> ask someone how their day was, uh, that stuff. Maybe people forget to do that more than they should. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. yeah that, 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 that's good. And I like the way the practical steps also feel like, you know, one, many to go to therapy, bro, yeah. bro, go to therapy, <laughs> go to therapy and get healed, dog. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. And if oh. and, you know, if you're not willing to do that, then like at least journal or something. I mean, obviously there's the expectation. And what's the word? Like toxic masculinity, I think it is. And uh, I've heard a lot of people like say that a lot more now and whatnot. But I mean, there's this expectation that you have to show up and be this perfect person. Like the guy takes care of the woman or whatever. If we're talking strictly about men and women dating. Uh, and I don't know that that's really true anymore. I mean, at this point, it's kind of like whoever has a better head on their shoulder should be the one taking care of the other one. <laughs> and the person who has a better head on their shoulders probably is a little bit more conscious of their surroundings and their feelings due to therapy or journaling or interpersonal work. And that's just a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And also, I think um, to add to the, the business point, like, you know, yesterday I went to this conference to, to this um, thing called Women in Web 3 which is specifically like a, a, con a conference and a panel and events where it was helping predominantly like a, a, a wide group of women talking about practical ways and how to help them get into the new ecosystem of cryptocurrency and tech and whatever, whatever. And I asked that question to a couple other women and they said like, for men, for the men audience out there, the best way to be able to effectively um, show up for women in business is one, go to the events, mm -hmm. buy their products, Mm -hmm. their podcast listen to their stuff support them with your monetary and your time your attention but also most importantly being an advocate and speaking up saying that hey if you feel like there's an opportunity that somebody is able to be better acknowledge your weaknesses and see their strength not be intimidated and get mm -hmm. them in the room be able to make sure that they're involved in email chains be making sure that they're able to be able to have the uh, understanding of being able to put the position because and understand and, and, and encouraging them and understanding that they're capable being able to see them and be like, hey, yeah. you go here. Like, you belong here. And I want you here and creating that table and making sure it's open. So I feel like those are some great practical steps as well to be able to support women in business. And I'm like, yo. And that's why I'm like, yo, man, you were having a business. You're doing some dope shit. I would love to support you anyway. I want you on here to say whatever you got to say, you know? Because, again, it's just like the woman make the go world, world go round. <laughs> Crypto in particular, yeah, agreed. Crypto in particular also was such, I've gone, I was at like Bitcoin Miami 
I know a lot of people in crypto, uh, I like feel intimidated in those rooms. I mean, it's so many guys. It would be great to see more like I'm I'm into crypto myself. So I enjoy going to those kind of things. But uh, I certainly think that the more women that are involved in that space, the more that men will feel able to communicate with women about some of those topics and especially crypto. But it's such a male dominated industry that it's just like a playground of men. So girls definitely get more involved with it. But in particular, you know, if you're a guy and you go to those kind of events, like bring a girl, bring a girlfriend. It doesn't need to be a girlfriend. It can be a girl who's a friend or a sister or a cousin, whatever. Right. Uh, and I think that's a good, that's a good fearless thing to do. Uh, I, I love that. I love that. Now, my second question, the big question is, what is one thing that you would like to see change in the U.S.? If there was one thing that you would want to see change. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, so many, I mean, I, number one, my like heart has a very soft spot for the justice system. Uh, I would like to see so much change with that. Um, predominantly black men go to prison for things they didn't do. My dad is white, but he went to, he was wrongfully convicted. Um, you know, just laws certainly surrounding the justice system, racism, education for police officers. I would also like people to be more educated about things. Like I think, when, and I, I can't remember if it was like BLM or George Floyd or, you know, I, and I know that was kind of hand in hand, but people thinking, you know, defund the police does not mean, and like talking to someone who's like very emotional and in theory, I'm sorry, I really don't like cops. I'm, I'm very aware that the world needs them, but I am very um, biased because of what happened to my dad. But like defund the police did not mean eradicate the cops and the whole world just does what they want to do. It means let's take some of the money away, but people are think immediately like, ah, oh, that means like no cops. And then, then it becomes so divided. And it's like, use your brain, please, and research before you come up with these ideas, because now you're confusing other people who don't understand. And that's not what this term means. So certainly so much in the justice system, I'm a heavy advocate uh, and donator to anything with women's rights. What's happening right now is horrific. But Unfortunately, a lot of this does come down to policy in the government. And I think people can do the most that they can and share it on social media and whatnot. But like, it's just really unfortunate that we don't have more power to like, if a hundred thousand people sign a petition, you know, why would a law not get passed? But that's just not really the world that we live in. Um, so certainly I would start with those two, but I don't, I certainly can't change those on my own. I wish I could, cause I would. That's Mental health, social media, like more, more bans. I would like no one under the age of 16 allowed on TikTok. Ideally, even yeah. under the age of 18. There's too Honestly, many things. Yeah. <laughs> and that's real. That is real. That is real. That is real. And so um, in, in addition to all of those things, what are some ways that you feel like you've been taking care of yourself? Um, and that's some like some tips for somebody that is on the road to success to take care of themselves. Make sure that they're. Yeah. Mental health wise, I mean, like this week in particular, uh, I did not, I mean, I wake up every day and I'm pretty strict with my routine and I say, hey, Google play NPR news and now it's probably going to play. Um, and this week, I mean, it was too, it's too hard to listen to the news. I don't want to wake up and feel sad. Like I'm already sad. So like, don't listen to the news on weeks in particular like this, where it's just so painful, unless you're actively trying to get something out of listening. We all know what's gone on you know, um, and it sucks. So like at least research, I find like listening wise, it, it hurts a little bit more. Uh, I am very big into reading. I use these journals now, which I never really did called Silk and Sonder. And they're just really great. And I 
have a friend of mine who is like sold and has recently become incredibly successful who I've known from back when she was just starting. And I was in her Range Rover one day in Houston and I just see like all of these scribbled pieces of paper. And I was like, Margo, like, are are you dyslexic? Like what, why do you have so many pieces of paper? And then I actually picked them all up and I was like, oh my God, this woman has written hundreds of affirmations back and, you know, all over all. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, <laughs> like I have found what'll make me successful. So now I wake up every day and in that 20 minute meditation, I write down everything from like, you are good enough. You're pretty, you're successful. You will be successful. You will sell a company. You will be rich. Like time and time and time and time and time again. Yeah. Uh, and I believe heavily in that. And, and Margo proved that to me. Um, Manifestation is the real thing. Yeah, It's real. Yeah. Your thoughts become, your thoughts are, your thoughts are so, how, Oprah said it, our thoughts, it's like, bro, our thoughts and the subconscious, our subconscious thoughts are so powerful. And once we yeah. like wire. Yeah. And also something too, I find for mental health and maybe just on a stronger perspective is I'm, I really like to ask questions. Like if someone does something that I don't understand, a friend of mine or if it, like, why did you do that? Like, just like, what was your intention for that? Or why did you say that? Like, and it's fine if you wanted to be rude or you were having a bad day, but like, I would just like to know. Cause otherwise I think a lot of people like walk away from these kind of things and are like, ah, oh, this made me feel this, but I am now so in tune with like, this made me feel this. And I am able with really quite frankly, at this point, anything that happens to be able to be like, I know why this made me feel this way or like triggered me. And it's because over the course of X amount of years, I've asked that to people so that I know why I feel the way that I do when something happens. And that is like a whole sense of identity and uh, confidence. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Okay. And now my last, second to last question for you is, what are, what, are, what are you enjoying as of late, right now? What are you enjoying? I am enjoying, I'm so heavily enjoying Austin and like the group of friends. And I know I brought them up multiple times in this, but I, for many years, like I had friends in different cities. I bounced around a lot. I never really had this kind of experience in my life and I didn't go to college and I didn't really realize, I guess, what I was missing out on. And now I certainly, I, I mean, it's very lonely being an entrepreneur, but now I certainly have someone at every minute of every day in this town in particular that I'd be like, can we please just go get coffee? Or like, I just want to cry. Can we just like cry together? Or like, can we want to walk? And that's so cool. I was really alone, especially in LA and everyone was so par far apart from each other. So I certainly am really enjoying that. And I would love to see everyone have that core group of friends. Uh, and I think now I'm enjoying the process more of, of entrepreneurship than I used to because I got so caught up in it. Like I said, now if something goes wrong, I'm able to just be like, okay, like whatever. And um, so it, it keeps it kind of fun and light because at the end of the day, it is just a job. I want to go home and turn off like everyone else does. Uh, and, and, and that's like an enjoyable, that's an enjoyable sense of peace to have. Mm -hmm. That's good. What are three things that you would say to your 18 year old self? Also, you need to, I want me to ask you the question of what you asked me in that meeting. I liked that question. I can't remember what it was, um, but well, I- what are three things that you're learning? <laughs> I loved that. And I, I feel like I had terrible answers for that. But I would like to ask you that afterwards. Um, what is three things that I tell my 18-year-old self? Um, I mean, I, it's so hard because I know I never listened when people told me. 
Number one, don't grow up too fast. Like if you can avoid getting a fake ID, avoid it because like I had a fake ID, all my friends did. And we grew up so fast from it. And I know that it's really fun, but then like a lot of the things that you're supposed to do when you're an adult, you've already done at 18. Um, number two, like ideally, if you can, don't move out. Like I got myself deep in debt and like eating banana and peanut butter on the ground in bed Brooklyn was sure great character building, but it would have been nice to have a bed because I had access to it if I had stayed home. Yeah. Um, so if you, yeah, push or push it back a little bit. Like I did it so fast. And so suddenly I had no plan. I was just like, I'm 17 and I have no money, but I'm going to figure it out. That's awesome. But it was really hard. So if you can like maybe wait until 18, 18 and a half. And then the last piece of advice I would have is probably to at a younger age, start asking those questions. If someone says something to you and it makes you feel a certain way you know, it triggers you or makes you uncomfortable, like a little bit sad, even though you maybe knew it was a joke or like everyone else laughed or whatever. Ask the person like, you know, this made me feel weird and I don't really know why this made me feel weird, but I would love to know like, what was your intention behind saying it? Uh, ask that, like, don't be afraid to do that. So all of those I'd say. That's good. That's so good. Yeah. What do you want your legacy to be? I want people to look at my story and realize that ultimately, regardless of your background, you have two choices you can make in life and two paths you can follow. And in the simplest way to say it, you can go down a positive none or you can go down a negative one. And there's so many factors that play into that, obviously. But really, you have the option to do absolutely anything. It just depends on how much are you willing to try and, and find your own map if you weren't given it? And so I would like that to be my legacy is like, if, if you came from a background that I did, that wasn't easy, then set yourself up for a life that is, a, that is easy. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Well, um, wait, you have to answer the question now that you asked me. What the one from like the three things I'm learning. Ah, man, I like asking questions. I don't like answering questions. Um, But the one thing I've learned is one, um, I'm more resilient than I ever thought I was. Um, I've, I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life, but even then um, I'm resilient. But in being resilient doesn't necessarily have to be mean, like you have to be on 10 and 100, like, Argh! but being resilient is, you know that you've gone through the situations and being calm in every situation. For example, I was driving down back to Austin and I got my, I was on my phone. <laughs> I was on my phone driving to Austin and all of a sudden I ran over a plank and it <laughs> cut the, 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 the wheels of both my, my the, the front and the rear left side, driver's side tires. And um, it was at night, it was at 11 a.m. I checked the back, my, even my, my, my spare is, and I'm like, dang. But again, you know, drove it to the gas station, whatever, whatever, and was able to do all this stuff by myself. And I've done it before, but it's just kind of like, you know, in the minute, in the, in the situation, I know for me, younger me would have been freaked out, would have been scared, but the whole time I'm saying, I'm calm. I said, my repeated my affirmations, I'm calm, I'm capable, I'm resilient, I can do this, I am able to do it, whatever. Two, showing up as yourself is so important. 
and it allows other people to show up as themselves as well. Um, been very blessed and fortunate because I've, you know, of course the, the the work, the evolution, and the healing, the process, whatever. And of course, you never know anything, but because of that, and because of having that deeper understanding and being rooted in that authenticity, it just now has opened up for me. Um, like this quote unquote influence or energy that I have, that people say that I have. One, I know it's bigger than me, but two, it's just like it now allows an opportunity for other people to be more comfortable to be who they are and to not feel judged. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful to be able to do that. Um, but of course, you know, you're human, but that's cool. And number three, um, always, I've always asked questions, but always stay curious and be always be open-minded. Um, I love having an open mind, and but then it's just like, you know, you might think you know something or be open-minded, but then your on your mind continues to expand and like grow even more. And that when that's so beautiful when it's just like, ah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh last segment of the show is called the speak life segment where I speak life over my guest because our words are powerful. Alexa, you cool, bro. You cool, you cool, you're so cool. You're, you're so cool. Dope. You're I, so I, dope. I adore hey. you. Thank you. Thank you. I received that. I received that heavily. Um, your your intentionality, your resilience, your action, your enthusiasm, your passion, your authenticity, your vulnerability, and your integrity, and you just being able to be open and honest about your experiences and how you continue to cultivate that gift in order to showcase and demonstrate to other gift and your passion and for what you want to do is admirable. And I pray that each and every step of the way, no matter how high, no matter how low the roller coaster of life takes you, that you will continue to be granted with success. Even though you yourself feel like you may not be a success, you already are a success because of everything that you've left behind, but also most importantly, like the way that you make people feel and being able to create that community, especially with your mission, with what you want to do with your summit, for the children, and for the people that you influence and you inspire, because you are an inspiration. And I hope that you feel that each and every day. And even in the times that you don't feel that every day, just know that that is a fact and that is a truth. So I'm super grateful that you joined this podcast. I'm super grateful for your time, energy, and your youth because we don't get that back. And I'm super grateful for you just going on your mission and doing your thing. So thank you. I almost want to cry. Thank you. Thank you for having such solid in-depth conversations with people that's a hard thing to do and it's tiring when you're a podcast host but you do it so eloquently and well and i'm just so impressed by you too oh man well where can the people find you at if you want to plug your socials yes you can find me on social media pretty much everywhere at alexa underscore curtis and then the summit instagram is be fearless summit and the website for that too is be summit.org so if you are interested in speaking or anything like that at upcoming events, you can submit to do so there. Yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you, everybody, to everyone who has watched Campus Cuts, who has listened to Campus Cuts for the past two and a half years. I'm super grateful. It's been such a ride. And until next time, we are out. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking a chance to listen slash watch the podcast episode. Super grateful for all your support. Make sure you follow us on social media at Campus Cuts Pod. Be able to check out the YouTube, um, Twitch, 
and as well as Twitter, Periscope live streams. If you want to have a chance to get the replay, make sure you share it to your friends, families, significant others, and anybody that is interested in listening to authentic conversations with great guests and people. Make sure you do that. Thanks so much for all the help. Tap in. Have a blessed day.